Tonight, we are wrapping up our series called Mood. And I think God is really cool the way he orchestrates things. Originally, tonight's topic was supposed to be spoken about last month in March. And we felt that we were to change the order of topics. So last month, Gary talked about anger. You can check that out on our website uh, under the Young Adults tab where our teachings are located. Um, But that means anxiety got bumped from March to April. And when I say anxiety got bumped from March to April, I don't don't just mean in the schedule. I mean in real life, anxiety got bumped from March to April because God knew that by the time this teaching rolled around, we were all going to be dealing with some anxiety on some level. And so I'm really excited to get to share with you tonight some of the things that God's been teaching me in the last couple of weeks. We're all in this together and he's teaching all of us and we're, we're learning new things about him and about ourselves in the midst of it. But I think, you know, God knew that we'd be dealing with anxiety. He knew that there would be a lot of anxiety about our world and about our health and about the coronavirus right now. Uh, He knew that we would be anxious about our loved ones, maybe our grandparents or our children. Um, He knew that we would be anxious about jobs and provision and bills and debt. He knew we would be anxious about whether we have enough to eat in the pantry. He knew we'd be anxious about school and homework and graduation. He knew we'd be anxious because some of us don't have enough to do right now. And some of you have way too much to do right now. It just kind of depends how this has affected your sphere and the things that you normally do. Some of you are super bored and some of you are super busy. And either way, it brings a level of anxiety. We also have a lot of anxiety about how long is this thing going to go on and what comes next? What can we expect in the, in the days and the weeks and the months ahead? And I don't know about you, but I actually have had anxiety about my anxiety. And that might sound ridiculous, but when I can feel myself starting to, to carry the stress of everything that we're experiencing, all of a sudden I start getting anxious about how the anxiety is affecting my physical body and affecting my health. And so there, there are no end to the layers that this anxiety might be affecting and impacting us right now. When I looked up the definition of anxiety, it threw me for a second because it said the definition of anxiety is disquieting thoughts. And when I first read that, I thought, that is not the way anxiety feels to me. Like, that is way too mellow of a definition, disquieting thoughts. Because when I feel anxious, it feels like it is like seeping out of every pore and cell in my body. It feels like it takes over everything. Every breath feels like it is birthed out of anxiety. And so to just label it disquieting thoughts didn't feel very accurate to me at first until I started thinking about it. What's the phrase we usually say? You know, if, if, if things are chaotic, we say, boy, I just would love a little bit of peace and quiet. Peace and quiet. So what is the opposite of that? The opposite of peace would be anxiety or fear. The opposite of quiet is loud. It is noise. And so I thought, yeah, that's exactly what happens. When I'm dealing with anxiety, it gets really loud in my head. There are thoughts that would not normally be there, but because I'm feeling anxious, I feel stirred up in ways that I normally would not. And I think thoughts that I would not be thinking if I was in a place of peace. And so there's all these these phrases, these thoughts that that try to rise up and get our attention when we are dealing with anxiety. So for instance, you know, in the past couple of weeks, you, you you, you might have had times where all of a sudden you're like, 
I should be worried right now. I should be scared right now. We're in a lot of trouble. I don't know what's going to happen next. And the thing about anxiety is sometimes our thoughts lead us to do and say things that are actually really irrational. So I've tried not to make decisions out of anxiety and fear the last couple of weeks, but I have had a couple of moments where I caved into it. And interestingly enough, they mostly happen at the grocery store. So for instance, about two weeks ago, I had this like panic moment where I'm like, I need to go to the store and I need to stock up because what if we're trapped in the house for a month? Like we're gonna run out of food, which may or may not be true. The truth is we would run out of fun food which wouldn't kill us, but, so I'm in the grocery store and I'm walking around and I get to the section where they sell juice and all of a sudden, it was like this loud voice, this disquieting thought in my head said, you should buy some orange juice. And I like grabbed it in a panic and threw it in my cart and I was like, yes, if we are locked in in the house for a month, we should really have orange juice on hand. Now here's the crazy thing, we don't really drink juice and we don't really drink orange juice. So I bought that, and, and I took it home and I put it in the refrigerator. And I kid you not, it sat there for a week before anybody touched it. But because I had bought it out of anxiety, it felt like it was such a necessary thing in the moment that we have this juice in the refrigerator. Crazy. Anxiety leads us to do and act and say in crazy ways that we normally would not. I mean, what strategies are you using right now to try to, to, to keep yourself or bring yourself into a place of peace. Looking at the statistics isn't really helping me. I don't know about you. Watching the news, also not helpful. And some people are trying really hard to combat negativity with good things. So for instance, uh, John Krasinski from The Office started something, he started a YouTube, a YouTube channel called um, Some Good News. And so I did watch a clip of it and it was, you know, it was lighthearted and fun. And I thought, good for you, John Krasinski. You know, we really need a dose of that. But honestly, it wasn't enough to curb anxiety for me. It was just like a temporary reprieve from the disquieting thoughts in my head. It didn't really solve the problem of anxiety. You can't talk yourself into peace. See, that's the thing. You can't look at a list of pros and cons. You can't look at percentages. You can't read all the good, happy reports and then tell yourself you should be at peace. It just doesn't work that way. You can't say, you know, self, you shouldn't worry. And then you say, oh, okay, I won't. And it's just that simple because it's not that simple. It's not that simple. If it was, nobody would be worried right now. So we've got to do something more than just think about the positive things. Now, for sure, you want to try to eliminate thoughts that make you feel discouraged, that make you feel scared, that make you feel anxious right now. And so that might mean eliminating, watching the news, reading certain things. Maybe you need to get off of social media because people are posting articles and some of them are really scary. And so you may have to really guard yourself. And even, and, and this is tricky, you may even have to guard yourself from people that feed the anxiety within you. You want to surround yourself with people that make you feel full of peace and hope and, and, and light and joy. And, and it's tricky because right now we're in our homes and you might actually be living with people who are feeding your anxiety. And so you might be stuck in the house with those people, but you cannot let those negative thoughts 
begin to get stuck in your head because they will begin to, to fester and to grow and become like a, like a cancer within your heart, within your emotions. Fear and anxiety come from the enemy. So make no mistake about that. Fear and anxiety never come from God. They only and always ever come from the enemy of your soul, from Satan. And so if we are fighting a supernatural battle for peace, then we've got to have supernatural weapons in order to, to find peace. We can't go with the natural. Because here's a newsflash. This is not the last time you're gonna feel anxious. This is not the last time you will have to battle through anxiety to get to peace. This is not the last time. I'm 51 years old and I would say I've loved my life. I've led a good, full, rich life up to this point, but the reality is I could tell you story after story after story of times that I felt anxiety. And it will touch you at some point in your life and most likely at many points. And sometimes you may feel anxious about marriage, sometimes it's about friendship, sometimes it's about children, sometimes it's about jobs or money, sometimes anxiety about health. Like the list of possibilities for things you could be anxious about is, is fairly never ending to be quite honest. And so you don't just need an answer for today. You don't just need an antidote for anxiety for tomorrow. You need it for all the tomorrows to come because there will be situations that cause you to feel anxious in the future. So let's take advantage of this opportunity to grow in this area so that when we come back around to the next thing that makes us feel anxious, we are better prepared. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. You know, the greatest weapon to fighting for peace, honestly, and, and I know it's gonna sound cliche, but it really is the word of God. It really is the word of God. It's, it's been such a solace for me in the last couple of weeks. Some days it's been the only thing that's really helped me to feel any measure of peace is leaning on the truth of scripture. If you'll recall, Jesus told a parable about a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rains came, the floods came and his house stood firm on the rock because it was solid. And the problem is a lot of us are caving to anxiety, and when I say a lot of us, I mean a lot of people in the world are caving to anxiety because they have not built their house, their foundation on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ and his word. They have built it on the sand as the parable goes. Maybe it's the sand of other people's opinions. Maybe it's the sand of your own emotions. Maybe it's the sand of the things that you hear and see in the news. But no matter what it is, those things shift and change and it's not, and it never will be, a safe place on which you can rest and on which you can find peace. So metaphorically speaking, guys, the, the rain and the floods are beating against us right now. And so it's, it's just imperative that we make sure our foundation is set on the solid rock of Christ, and that's on his word. And so I want to share with you tonight three truths, three scriptures, three points that I think will help encourage you in the days ahead as you battle for peace instead of anxiety, as you trade your anxiety in for the peace that, that Christ can give you. And so the first thing I want to encourage you with is this, you do not have to live in fear of the news. Psalm 112, 6 and 7 has always fascinated me. It says this, surely the righteous will never be shaken. 
They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something in that scripture. I think we read it incorrectly when we read it too quickly. It does not say they will have no bad news. It says they will have no fear of bad news. And so that's an important distinction to make because you and I both know there will always be bad news about something somewhere. But this, this is saying you don't have to be afraid of the bad news. And so that's good news for all of us who fight anxiety when we hear the negative reports. It actually is translated, and this kind of cracked me up, as evil tidings. You know, bad news you know, can sound kind of like, oh, my, my car left me sit, or I'm out of milk. But like evil tidings takes it to a whole different level. And that word evil actually can be translated malignant. And so I mentioned cancer a bit ago because that's what cancer does. A malignant cancer will spread. And so when we feel anxiety, when we feel fear, when we feel dread, these things begin, as we feed that with our thoughts and with our words, it begins to grow like a cancer, like a malignancy. And it's, it's an evil thing happening inside of us. It's not God's heart. The book of John tells us that in this world, we will have trouble. And so I think it's important for us to say, to agree, we, we are in trouble right now. I mean, there's just no way around that. Even if you are never touched by the coronavirus personally, it's probably affecting your job or your family or your finances or some, on some level, it is touching your life right now. And so he wasn't kidding when he said that, when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. It wasn't a matter of if you would, it was a matter of when you would and what it would look like. But here's the thing that this verse promises us. It says, we don't have to fear bad news. And this is how we can avoid it. It says, the way to avoid being shaken is to be steadfast. So if you are feeling shaken right now, everything you knew, you know, your life as it was, your schedule, all of the things that felt normal to you, if that feels like it's been shaken, it is actually possible for you to remain steadfast in Christ in the midst of that, according to this word. And the way to be steadfast is to continue trusting in the Lord. I want you to think about it like this. If you're walking on an area that is slippery, what do you need in order to keep from falling, in order to stay steadfast? You need some serious traction on your shoes, right? So my mom had an incident a couple of months ago. My mom is 74 and average height, we're about the same height, 5'6", and she was outside with my brother and I think my nephews were out there and she said it was, it was muddy in the yard and she was kind of at the top of a hill and she said all of a sudden, she started sliding down the muddy hill. And she said she had these little shoes on that had zero traction on the bottom. And she said it was like she was on skis. And, and so here's this 74-year-old woman skiing down the hill on these shoes that have no traction. And, and she thought to herself, like, this, this cannot end well. I mean, it's one thing when you are, you know, 
two feet tall and you're three years old and you fall over, it's a whole nother ball game when you're an adult and you're 74 years old. And so fortunately my brother uh, chased after her as best he could and just kind of like wrapped his arms around her to break her fall because there was, there was, no, there was no other way to stop this thing. And uh, he kind of helped break her fall. And so, and so she was okay, but it was very, very scary because she had no traction. And here's the thing. When scary times come upon us, like we're experiencing today, you need to make sure that you have spiritual traction or you are gonna be sliding downhill quicker than you can imagine. And there is nothing but bad news at the bottom of that thing. So how do we get spiritual traction in times like this? Two different ways. This verse says that we need to be steadfast, and that means two things. It means we need to be prepared, and it means we need to be securely determined. So let's break that down a little bit. You know, it always bothers me when people make remarks about Christianity, and they say things like, Christians just use God as a crutch. And I think to myself, oh, oh yes, ma'am, I do. Because I'm well aware of the fact that if I am not leaning on him, I am in big trouble. Like he is the thing that keeps me upright, keeps me steady, keeps me steadfast. So I don't apologize for leaning on him in hard times. I won't make it otherwise. Absolutely won't make it. But it says we need to be prepared. And here's the thing. I think a lot of times our tendency is we wait for the crisis to hit and then we're left scrambling trying to deal with it. And the reality is this verse says you need to be prepared. And this is why it is so important, guys, to develop a day-by-day, minute-by-minute personal relationship with Jesus so that when the hard times come, you have already been prepared. You've got that spiritual traction and and you already know the importance of leaning on him. Listen, you need him even on your very best day. We kid ourselves into thinking we don't, but the truth is even on the good days, we need a really high dose of Jesus. And so it is vital to prepare for times of crisis, not dread them, not be afraid of bad news, but just to be prepared for it when it comes. And the number one way to do that is to be feeding into your relationship with Jesus. Listen, right now is a prime time to be sowing into your walk with him. And here's, here's what's happening. A lot of us, we're resorting to just watching the news. We're resorting to scrolling endlessly through social media. We're binge watching things on Netflix. We're eating nonstop because we don't know what else to do with ourselves. And I would challenge and encourage you to make time with the Lord on a daily basis because it is the thing that will best equip you to get through seasons such as this when anxiety is there knocking at the door and begging to be let in. The other thing that this verse tells us in being steadfast is that we need to have secure determination to, to, to remain steadfast in our trust of the Lord. We need to be determined. And, and I would have to say, I've been through enough of crises. I don't look forward to them. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't sit around thinking, I can't wait for the next bad thing to happen. But I've had enough of crises in my life that the Lord and I have just developed this thing between us when I have to go into crisis mode. And I... I always feel like I want to make him look good when things are going really, really bad. So a little over a year ago, I ended up in the hospital with what originally looked like a heart attack. And thankfully, it still turned out to be serious, but not nearly as serious as a heart attack would have been. But I remember thinking, oh, I 
I will not waste this opportunity because I have this awareness. I have this awareness. I am modeling something for my children. I am modeling something for the young adults at church and any other lives that I am privileged to touch or to teach. I have a chance to go in there and make an impact on the doctors and the nurses and anybody that cares for me. Oh, you better believe I was determined to make God look good. And I came through that experience. I mean, do I want to go through it again? Absolutely not. But I've got these stories, these conversations, these encounters of precious things that happen in the midst of that, that I will forever treasure and they will strengthen me as I go into the next crisis or the next crisis, the next time that I'm tempted to feel anxious. I can go back and remember that, remember those things. So life is full of opportunities right now. You absolutely need to get some spiritual traction on your feet. Get yourself prepared and go out there. And and when I say go out there, I realize we're all kind of stuck in our homes. But I'm saying to whatever degree you have opportunity to touch lives around you, even if it's right there in your own home, you got to get out there and do it. Because this, this is the opportunity of a lifetime to make an impact. We say here at Lifeway every week that we, are, we want to impact lives for eternity. And I'm telling you, I know of no better situation where you can put that into practice than what we are living out right now. Here's the thing, a lot of you in Lebanon County, where most of us live, just joined the ranks of those that are now under stay-at-home orders. Some of the surrounding areas where some of you live, that happened a few days prior. But we are all pretty much on lockdown right now. And here's what I want you to know. God also has you on lockdown. He also has you on lockdown. And that's a good thing. It's not feeling like a good thing to those of us who are locked in our homes. But being locked in, being on lockdown by God is a very good thing. And I want to unpack that for you for a little bit. We look at lockdown as a place of confinement. So if you watch movies that talk about jail, you know, it'll talk about the whole jail is on lockdown. And it's like everybody's in their cell and they're confined. You're trapped where you are. But when God has you on lockdown, it's a whole different feeling. It is not about being stifled. It is about being safe because he has you in the palm of his hand. Isaiah 52.12 says this, and this is the second truth that I want you to grab hold of right now. You will neither have to leave in haste, nor will you make a frantic escape, for your God, Yahweh, will go before you, and he will lead you each step and be your rear guard. Here's what I love about this verse. God is speaking to the the Israelites who are being held captive. They are on lockdown, as it were, in Babylon by the enemy. And they're concerned about being trapped there, being stuck in Babylon. But God says, oh, don't you worry, because I'm actually the one that has you locked in. The first part of the verse says that he, he said, he goes before you, Yahweh goes before you. And he's, he's saying he's already been where you're headed. Listen, a lot of us are worrying. I'm not too worried about today, but if I start thinking, what does the rest of April look like? What does May look like? What's this going to look like by the time we get to June or July? Like, our bills are all paid right now, but, but what does this look like several months from now? And this verse brings me unending comfort because the Lord is saying, I have already gone before you. Guys, he, he's already been in June and July 
He's already been there. He knows what it's going to look like. He knows what we need. And he's saying, take comfort in the fact that you don't know what's coming, but I do. And I'm your source and I'm your strength. So I've got this. I've got this covered. But then it, you know, when, when, when we were, um, when the kids were little, we lived in a different property than we do now. And so our house was at the front of the property and the garage was at the back end. And so it was a pretty long trek from the front to the back. And so when it snowed, um, if it was obviously a significant snow, Gary would get out and shovel a path for us. But when it was just a small amount, he would walk out through from the house to the garage with his big old work boots. And he would make these giant footprints in the snow. He would try not to step too far apart from each other. And then when the girls and I needed to leave the house for school or for groceries or for anything else, we would go out and we would walk in Gary's footprints. Because see, he had gone ahead of us and he had already made a way. And so whatever it is that you are feeling anxious about, God has already walked through April, May, June, July, August. And your job is to put your feet where he walked and to follow his footprints. Say, where, where did you walk, Jesus? Because that's where I want to go. That's the only place I'm going to go is just follow where you have already been. It is a place of protection for us. But the other part of that verse says, he is your rear guard. That means he has not just gone ahead of you, he's coming behind you. He's following this thing on the back end. A lot of times in scripture, it will mention when the Israelites would go out to war that there would be an army that was the rear guard. And this was the group of warriors that would come on the tail end like the caboose because you just never knew when there was gonna be a surprise attack, when someone was gonna come from behind And so the rear guard would make sure that nothing happened on the back end that you weren't protected from. And so what does that mean for us? You know, they say things like moms have eyes in the back of their head or teachers have eyes in the back of their head. And the truth of of, of it is none of us do. None of us do. And so that's why it is so comforting to know that God is back there as our rear guard We tend to give him credit for the things that we see that he is doing. But the truth of the matter is we are in a situation right now where there's probably more that he's doing that we just can't see. And he's asking us to have faith for it because it's back there and we can't see it. Do you know what else I think the rear guard might mean? This is is a verse that's become precious to me in a whole new way. It's from Psalm 23, verse 6, where it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I think, I just want to propose to you, what if your rear guard is the goodness and the mercy of God? And so you're wondering, what's coming behind me? What's going to be on the other end of this thing? Like, what's going to be the fallout? What have I not prepared for yet? What surprises await me? And he's saying, my goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Because here's the thing. Do you ever have that where like the the dog runs into the house and he's got muddy footprints? And so what do you do? You're chasing after him with a towel and you're trying to like wipe up the muddy footprints as he goes, right? 
This is what God's saying. He's like, I'm going to come in on the back end of this thing and I'm going to clean up the mess behind you. And it might, might, sometimes it might be a mess we've made. It might be a mess made by other people. It might be a mess made by circumstances. It doesn't matter. He says, I'm your rear guard. My goodness and my mercy will follow along as this coronavirus pandemic moves through, moves out, moves on. I'm gonna come behind you and I'm gonna clean up the mess that it's made of your job, of your finances, of your life, of your family. However, however it has, is messing with you right now, he's like, I got you, I got this. And so here's the thing, Psalm 139.5, I just read this in my devotions yesterday, where God says, you hem me in behind and before. You hem me in behind and before. We are right there in the middle between the before, which is him going ahead of us, and the behind, which is him as our rear guard. And he's got us locked in, locked in his love, not locked down, locked in to who he is, his protection and his provision. Remember, you are not stifled, you are safe. And that's a whole different thing. Because you can really live in a way right now that makes no sense to the world. And this is the third scripture I wanna encourage you with. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's the kicker, listen to this. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. That phrase really means take no thought. Do not be distracted by. And isn't that what happens? When we become anxious, we get distracted by our thoughts. We get distracted by all the things that are going on around us. And the enemy likes to use that to distract us from the truth, really, that God is our source of hope and joy and peace and power and strength and goodness and all of those things. It distracts us from that truth. We forget what he is capable of when we are only focused on what we are capable of. What am I capable of right now? Not very much. I can stay home. I can wash my hands. I can pray. I could wear a face mask if I wanted to. But I am very limited in the natural sense, in what I can do. But he is unlimited. He is absolutely unlimited. And so what's he capable of? Protection, healing, provision, a thousand other things that we're just not thinking about right now because we are not allowing our minds to rest in the peace of Christ. You don't have to live like this, and I, and I can tell you this because I've lived on the other side of anxiety. I know what it's like to live the peace in this scripture. In, in John 14, 27, Jesus says to the disciples, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, but my peace. And what's different about his peace than ours? Our peace, we would tend to say, our peace is when everything is going well, but that's not really peace because that's just based on circumstances. His peace is different because it's a peace you can live and feel and understand and know and rest in when nothing is going well. I just talked to a friend last week who was dealing with some very challenging things, has nothing to do with the coronavirus or anything connected to it, dealing with some very hard things. And she said to me, she said, some days I think to myself, how am I okay? 
How am I okay? I can tell you how she's okay because she is experiencing the supernatural peace that is promised in this verse. When I had cancer in uh, 2002, that's when this scripture made sense to me for the very first time in my life. Because I, I used to say to people, I feel like we're living in a bubble of grace. It wasn't that it was easy or fun. I still had to do treatment. I still, my body was weak and tired. We still had to go for tests. We still had to wait for results. We had to do all of that. And yet somehow, even when there was no earthly reason to be okay, we were okay. And that is exactly what I am experiencing. I would say 95% of the time right now, I am okay. I'm living in that same bubble of grace. And that is available to us because of the peace of Christ. Because it says his peace guards your heart and it guards your mind in Christ Jesus. So you think about that. Your mind is where all the thoughts want to swirl and you want to, our, our natural tendency is to just go worst case scenario, isn't it? And this says, no, 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 no. His peace comes in and guards your mind so that you're not thinking of all those tragic and terrible endings that might possibly happen. It also says his supernatural peace guards your heart. And the thing is, your heart is where you feel all your feelings, good or bad. And so it is possible by the grace and help of God to be in perfect peace, even when nothing around you is perfect. And that is just his gift. And I'm telling you, I've lived there. And so I don't look forward to a crisis, but I've got enough of stories now of experiencing the peace of God that I know it's available to me. And this verse says to bring your petitions and your requests to God. You know what you should be asking him for right now? Besides provision and protection and healing and all of those things that really matter, you should be asking him for this peace. Say, God, your word promises that you send me a supernatural peace that guards my heart and my mind and I want it. So I'm asking for it right now in the name of Jesus. And that's what he wants to give you. He's not stingy. He wants to pour this out on your life. Do you ever see somebody who is experiencing something absolutely tragic and horrendous, and yet somehow they're okay in the midst of it? And that's because God comes in clutch in the midst of those things, and he pours out this supernatural peace, and it, it is a game changer. It is a game changer. And here's the thing, for all the people that don't know Jesus or all the people that know Jesus but haven't tapped into that peace, it makes them say, what, why are you okay? Why are you doing okay in the midst of it? Whatever your secret is, I want in on it. And it's a chance for us to tell them the good news about Christ and about what he offers us through his power and goodness. Keep your eyes open in this season. I always say, I keep a backpack of stories from when I have been through hard times and I keep track of what God, if you're a journaler, this is a great time to be journaling. But I keep track of how God shows up and what he does and all those amazing stories. So the next time I find myself in a difficult position, I can whip those stories out of my backpack and I can relive them and I can say, oh, that's what he did. Oh, that's what he said. Oh, that's how he showed up. And so you keep track in this season and you start filling up your backpack with stories of God's goodness and his healing and his provision and anything that he speaks or does or prompts right now because you do not want to forget this because you know, we're making history right now and we can say that in a negative way or we can say that in a positive way. We're making history because there are so many opportunities for God to do and be amazing in our midst in this season. 
So right now, if you're out there and you might be thinking, I, I could really use uh, a heavy dose of this supernatural peace you're talking about. And so, you know, if you've never asked the Lord to be Lord of your life before, I'm inviting you to pray with me and, and say to him, God, I just, I really want you to be my source of everything. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to make you it. You're going to be Lord of my life right now. And for the rest of you, maybe who are battling anxious thoughts, I want us to close I'm going to pray, and I want you to just pray along where you are, in your home, at your desk, and pray along with me for the peace of Christ. Say, God, I need you. You are the source of everything I need for this day and all the days to come. You are the source of a peace that makes no sense from an earthly perspective. You are the source of hope and joy and provision and protection and healing. And I choose today to rest my mind, focus my gaze on you and all that you bring, all that you are and all that you offer. In the name of Jesus, we just declare that you will be glorified in our midst in these days and that you are gonna rise up and and you will draw all men to you We're so grateful in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys, have a great week.